Welcome back to Two Real Witches. Hello and blessed be, I'm Oak. And I'm Danny, and we're just a couple practicing witches seeking initiation into a Gardnerian tradition of Wicca. Every full moon and new moon, we're discussing things we're learning and researching, sharing magical discourse, and hold space for other witches to do the same. We're two real witches, shooting the shit and nerding out on magical topics. So if you're into the occult, the esoteric, or the otherworldly, come hang out with us in the liminal space of sound. In today's episode, Oak's going to be skimming the surface of astrology with her Astro 101 Part 2 of the conversation. So dial in your telescope and let's go universe divining. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so in today's episode, um, I'm going to be covering the last two topics of my Astrology 101 um, discourse. I don't know. Uh, So aspects of water. So here we're going to be talking about our uh, my personal history and how I've connected with astrology um, and then also talk about just history in general and the things that I've picked up that are notable. And we will also be addressing some earth aspects in that portion. We're going to be talking about some thought leaders and books and apps and resources. We'll also share some ways of thinking about astrology. So I'll refer to that as a philosophy. And then also just kind of talk about some of the challenges as we start to integrate this information into our daily lives, into our social circles, um, and beyond. All right. But before we dive in, what you up to? Oak, what are you up to? What's going on with you? Tell me about learning workshops, books, all your ear updates. Yes. Um, well, I honestly have, again, been trying to minimize the amount of new information um, as we've had some major uh, projects happening in our lives, <clears throat> our lives collectively, Danny and my lives. Um, and so I've honestly been taking just kind of like a trip down memory lane, uh, rereading a lot of my old notes, uh, my old reference material on like workshops. And whenever I read a book, I also take a lot of notes. And so I've been kind of rereading and organizing some of my um, old notes. Yeah. I'm just learning from my past self, right? There's that saying that if you could just like remember 50% of what you learned, you'd know like twice as much as what you know, which I think yeah. is amazing, right? You forget yeah. like more than you would ever be able to remember um, and know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I'm just kind of refreshing some of my um, past learnings. And honestly, it's like very surprising how many things um, I have forgotten. So yeah. 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 How about you? you? Back and like read a beginner's book and you're like, oh yeah. Oh shoot. I didn't even, I didn't even store that in my mind the first time I read that. Like I missed that completely the first time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, that's interesting. Even, you know, we're going to talk about astrology and um, Eliza Kelly is uh, a thought leader. I'll I'll kind of talk about. Um, And she says, this, which I'm sure she got from someone else, but the information will make sense when you're supposed to learn it. And until then, it often just like literally falls on deaf ears where you can't even absorb the, the, yeah, you can't absorb the concept until you're ready to hear it. So very much that. How about you? What are you Um, learning? What are you doing? Well, here at Danny's book countdown. um, (laughs) I love this, by the way, book (laughs) countdown, no pressure at all. I would never do this to myself. That level of accountability is serious. 
Well, fantastic. Let me be accountable. We have made zero progress, uh, zero, zero percent. Um, and by zero, I mean, we were at 20 books last time, the last time we were here in the sound other together. Um, love that. That was accidental rhyming. And we're still at 20 books. Um, I have made maybe five pages of progress, not because the book isn't fantastic, just because life is chaotic right now. But next episode, guys, we're going to be done in 19. <laughs> I just know it. I just know it. Um, You're still working yeah. on the Michael Colby, the um, herb book? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which again, awesome. I think, you know, I could gobble it up and like get through it really quickly, but I also like how much of that would I get from it then. So I'm really just trying to take my time to like marinate on some of those ideas and like, why did he choose to write a whole chapter on this and Mm -hmm. how does this connect with what, like, why is this of such big importance to him? So um, just taking my time through it. Um, But then I'm also doing kind of what you're doing, but I'm just taking old notes that I wrote down on things that we've had to like take down where um, we needed to like write the future or ritual things and rewriting those as a means of one, like committing it to memory. I'm not a rote memorization person. It has to be personalized to me. And so um, I'm just taking the time to like make it aesthetically pleasing and like calligraphy it out and got a nice pretty uh, dipped fountain pen and all of that. Just trying what? to like, yeah, I'm just trying to get fancy with it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just trying to make a book of shadows that is enviable by all. Okay. So like actual calligraphy, this is a skill set yeah. you have. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Well, it's one I'm getting better <laughs> at. Right. So I love, um, like the, you know, the notebook pages when you were in like kindergarten, you had to like trace a, Oh yeah. Yeah. I have that, but for calligraphy, um, and for, um, what are those pins called? The name always goes like brush pins. Mm-hmm. Um, I have those and it is so cathartic to my soul. To like, Brace a word with them. It, yes. yeah. So I'm trying to do that, but like in real life and in practical application. I think the whole like process of taking notes, like how you approach information, how you record information, um, legitimately, that has to be one of our um, episodes in maybe season two. Because for me, it's such a big part of my magical process and, and progress. And I think every thought leader, uh, of which that I know like actually does magic <laughs> and like does ritual and works with a coven. Like real magic? What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not just like aesthetics. Um, but yeah, they all, you know, have the same kind of um, passion towards journaling and note taking. And so it's a big thing. It's a big undertaking. Um, let's get, get into the feelings part, the, the waters, what's flowing through your life, Danny. Um, so I think I was just talking with you. I just, I literally just got off a work phone call where I like resisted the urge to cuss everyone out. Um, because we have had like a major deadline setback again. Um, and it's just one of those things where like, it seems to me fully in people's control to not have this happen. Uh, and it just does. Yeah. So that's, what's going on in, in my life is I'm just like, this work thing has become such a hassle because I don't have a dead, like I just don't have a closure date. And so it's becoming like an ongoing thing that causes other problems. And I'm just like, I don't get it. 
I don't, yeah. I could be a construction worker. I'm convinced I could also be an engineer because we built two rooms in our building with no doors. Apparently like I, <laughs> I have all the confidence in the world of like a white man for no, for no reason. Love it. Love it. You're like outside looking in. I know all the problems inside looking right. out, maybe not so many, but yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So you're, well, you're, you? you're extending grace is what I'm hearing. So much. It's uh, on the outside, like on the inside, fuming. But on the outside, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, what what could we do in the meantime? How could we? How could this be advantageous to us? Love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I know you've got a lot going on. Yes, um, I just want to preface this by saying Venus is in retrograde, and. Um, if that means something to you, great. Venus being uh, maybe of relationships, of how we like to experience pleasure, of aesthetics, of uh, maybe like small amounts of monetary gain and comforts, creature comforts. Yeah, so that's in retrograde. So all of that is like being reexamined and up in the air. And I am very feeling that. Um, I finally lost the pandemic. I was playing a pandemic game. I had not <laughs> contracted COVID the entire time because I was actually somebody who masked for three years straight, didn't go into any indoor space uh, without a mask on until uh, really recently. Yeah. yeah. Like, like maybe two months ago was mm-hmm. when I was like, okay, we're going to go eat indoors for the first time in three years. Yep, and uh, that's how I got COVID. You were going strong. I know. I'm so that, that was an impressive streak. I gotta say, especially yeah. especially in Florida. I mean, yeah, that's what everybody kept saying game. to me. They're like, in Florida, you did great. You you actually won. So um, you might be and... on the top of the scoreboard, I think. <laughs> right. And then of course, I had to get sick like right before I'm going on vacation, which just seems to be a theme for me. It's like my body's like, wait. Yeah. We're going to slow down. Okay. Well, we're going to shut it down. Um, like but yeah, so. Yeah, I just realized like every vacation you go on, like the week of and or day of. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. I I maybe need to just start taking like spontaneous vacations where my body doesn't Absolutely. know it's coming. I don't know what's happening. Um, but yeah, so just finished up a big old move with my dad. And so that was stressful Ooh. AF. Um uh, zero out of 10 would not recommend. Um, but I'm getting to that point in my life where I have a 80 year old dependent and, um, that's new for me. So it's certainly not as demanding as having a child. Um, but I'm reminded every day why I chose to not have children because (laughs) the experience of having a dependent is so consuming. And so bless you, Danny, for, for being a mother, because, I should not Listen, be. You should have just done it the way uh, people from the South traditionally do it, which is where you have the kids so young that you enter like uh, a nursing facility together, right? Oh, yeah. Because at the yeah. point that my mom will like need assistance, I will also need assistance, right? Because <laughs> there's literally only 17 years between us. Uh, she was a young mom. And so I, I can't even help you move because I also just I had hip that. surgery. Together. So. <laughs> Maybe you'll get like a BOGO. <laughs> BOGO hip surgery. You can share a room. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there's like a family discount if you're like in the nursing home with your parent. <laughs> I think it's, I think it oh, probably man. is great. Yes. Yes. Um, 
let's, <laughs> with that fun time conversation, let's transition into um, what are you, what are you treating yourself to and, or um, I think we've just actually transitioned all earth updates to be like, what did you buy? What are you spending on? So I think we're we tired of talking about our feelings and challenges. We just yep. did that. Uh, yep. So now we're only talking about this is I bought bookbinding materials to, and we'll talk about it in the fire updates, but to like make a book of shadows, like from scratch, like to, to bind a book myself, you know, to, to learn that skill that is not useful in today's society. <laughs> and then I bought a new piece of wood to, I'm going to redo the handle to my Afame. So I'm actually going to remove the blade from the handle I currently have and then redo the blade. Um, and that little piece, that little block of wood, it's like, I don't know, maybe like four inches by like eight inches. Mm-hmm. Ridiculously expensive. I mean, granted, I did get it in black, but come on. It's so <laughs> I really was like, I should have just gone out to the tree and asked like, can I take a four inch by eight inch little block? <laughs> you, I'll, I'll make the space I left into a bird feeder for birds. You know, that will be my gift. Yeah. And Okay, well, I think ridiculous. I think that will probably be a project that we'll continue to get updates on <laughs> because I assume it's not going to be I'm like a one-day thing. Listen, I really had all of the confidence in the world that I was like, I'm going to get it done by this weekend. And then I looked at it for a little bit longer and I was like, I'm going to get it done within the next year for sure. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> no, that's good that you you revised your timeline to be realistic. Mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but what about you? I hear you have made a, a fantastic purchase that I need to know more about. Yes. Well, your girl likes a thrift store. Uh, I'm a big thrifter. And I found a telescope um, that, you know, retails for twice as much on Amazon. So I definitely had to scoop it up and it's this big, heavy, plunky thing. That's completely unrealistic. And I also have an app on my phone that shows me the placement of all planets in this great detail. And I was like, no, I want to see a little speck. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. The so the theme I, here is going back to basics and learning skills that are actually not useful in modern society. That's the right. thing to what we're doing. Yeah. I I was I was tracking that as well. I'm like, so we're going to learn how to make fire from scratch, and we're going to mill our own grain. And no, no, thank you. Uh, but yeah. So telescope. Um, all right. So finally, let me. Okay. I just want to say that you are being so ambitious with this book of shadows. Um, It is possible that people don't know this about the Gardnerian tradition, but once initiated, you have to hand copy hundreds, and I don't know, probably thousands, maybe a thousand, two thousand pages. You have to copy this by hand. And Miss Danny here uh, is going to... uh, attempt to do it in a very pretty fancy way. And mm-hmm. I'm advising against this because I don't want her to be let down. Um, but I also don't want <laughs> to poo-poo. No, no. I want to support you. But I also want to say if this ends up being not sustainable, that's okay. Uh, because generally mm-hmm. when you copy, uh, for our listeners, uh, when you copy the Book of Shadows that's passed down through a tradition, which is certainly one of the benefits of a tradition, usually it's like, you 
put it on a piece of paper and you put that in a laminate sheet and you put it in three ring binder. And that just breaks the heart of every like came up Pinterest. (laughs) I can't, I cannot do it. I I thought about it. I thought long and hard. I was like, all these people have committed giant binders with rings and you can do it too. And then I bought one and and then I took it to work and gave it to someone to do it. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I mean, I had this bubble burst for me, um, probably like two years into really being committed to um, the kind of like Wicca path and, you know, pursuing traditional um, outer courts. And so I knew that was coming. So for me, I was like, yeah, no, you do laminate sheets and that's how you live your life. But I support you um, taking the very, very, very high road of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> trying to, you know, recreate your aesthetics and, and I support you, but it is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, cause every page has to be like copied ugly, right? Cause I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just copying messily. And then I go back and I put it on a tea stained paper. You know, we want, we want to make it look old, but not really old and then calligraphy out the title yeah. And then do it all nice and pretty, but still legible, right? We want to make sure it's all still readable to the general person and it's not going to be something I need like a magnifying glass to look at. And then I have to seal every page so that it's protected. Mm-hmm. 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 No, it's an adventure um, mm-hmm. and it's it's going to be a while, but that's okay because I got time. I got time. Okay. All right. I support you. I am afraid for you, but I support you. Yeah. So my three ring binders, great. Um, loving that. Do you know how expensive big fucking binders are? Yes. Like $30 for a three ring binder that is over two inches. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like if you get, once you get past two inches, you're like paying a million dollars. Um, so yeah, that's what mine's going to look like. Um, for me, I'm taking my little telescope to the beach on my vacation, which is kind of a staycation, but I'm going, you know, to the beach, which is not so far from us. And of course I'm going to paddle board and spend time in nature. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see if my, if I got totally ripped off at the thrift store or not, we'll see. All right. Well, let's jump into our topic before we get into the, um, water aspects and the earth aspects. I just want to do some follow-up from last episode because we have some outstanding, information that we needed to tie up loose ends around. I didn't have answers for you had questions, which are great. So um, I'm going to give you some, some answers to this question. Number one, we said, we're going to put charts in the show notes. Turns out uh, Spotify said, no, you won't um, because there's not (laughs) enough room. (laughs) So that didn't happen. Um, So instead we are going to post all of the beautiful charts that are, I'm, 90% 90% sure are very accurate. Uh, and if they're not, then maybe putting them on social, I'll get fact checked, which would be even better. Um, so we'll put those on our social account, which is two real witches. Um, and we'll then link our social uh, in the show notes. So then you can just follow the uh, link to our post. So that's number one. <clears throat> number two, we have... Uh, you hear that? You hear that COVID, right? I, I did hear that that clearing out of yeah. uh, that illness. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so the second thing uh, question that we had was, 
with the degrees of each sign in the zodiac, how do the degrees progress from one to 30 for the 12 signs? And the answer is clockwise, going from smaller to larger, literally the way a clock goes from one to two to three. So clockwise from one to 30 within each sign, making a total of 360 because that's a circle and that is how that works. And that was a great question and I'm glad I could get clarity on that. The signs, um, you know, if we keep the signs stable, the planets do move counterclockwise through the zodiac, whereas the degrees are the opposite, where they're going from one to 30 clockwise. So a little bit of movement there. And if, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. The last point of clarification was a <laughs> what seems like a simple question, um, which, which should have a simple answer. And that's just not how astrology works. And apparently not. I'm looking at <laughs> these next two paragraphs and I'm like, I thought the question was just what degree yeah. does it stop becoming? I have I, I have a really question. yeah. So um if you most every like beginner level explanation of aspects it, recalling for everyone, <clears throat> I'm gonna have to keep clearing my throat. I'm really sorry. That's okay. So we, I'm just gonna do a little tea. That is your. That is what you win from having won the game of COVID in Florida. Is thank you, thank you. We we now cherish those coughs. Aww. That's what it is. Yeah, Aww, that's that's a late stage cough. I'll have you know, but uh, <laughs> there's no pride here. Um, okay, so the question. So we're talking about aspects. Aspects are uh, the relationship between two heavenly bodies, such as um, planets asteroids and luminaries, right? So often we would talk about an aspect being, let's say Mars and how it's related to the sun. And depending on the angle in a chart, we could say it's square or trine, or maybe it's very close and it's conjunct, um, or it's an opposition because it's on the opposite side of the pie, right? Mm -hmm. um, so all of those terms, the question is, uh, so certainly square being 90 degrees, but what if it's 91 degrees? right? Or what if it's 89 degrees? Like, does that still make it a square? Like, what's the range of acceptability to still call something square? And so, you know, every article out there will say roughly. And roughly is not a number, y'all. And it's not a good answer. Um, so, uh, so I had to go uh, beyond that answer. And I would say if I, <clears throat> for most of you who are not um, anal retentive, like I am, uh, two degrees, three degrees, like let's draw a line at four. I don't know. Uh, less than five would be a few. The more exact the aspect, the more uh, influence that aspect is represented, of course, right? If it's like 90 degrees right on the nose, then everything that's associated with a square aspect would be totally true. If it's slightly off, then that energy is less. But the reason I cannot give you <laughs> the reason that there's not a good answer out there is because once you get beyond a few degrees, um, there's actually other uh, what could be referred to as minor aspects that that thing probably now falls into. So when we were discussing aspects in the previous episode, we essentially only approached the first, second and third degree of influence 
we did not talk about, which are often referred to as the major aspects, we did not refer to the minor aspects, which is fourth and fifth degree of influence. Um, I hate to say major and minor because it makes it sound like one's more important, but it literally is like one is more impactful than the other. The first being the most impactful, the fifth being the least impactful. And so um, I'm sure that everybody knows this ancient scientist philosopher, um, Ptolemy, right? With the PTO, <laughs> the silent yeah. P. So Ptolemaic, um, Ptolemy uh, was... Uh, very influential in astrology, like still to this day, first century AD, that kind of timeline. Um, And he uh, very much coined these aspects of conjunct sextile square trine opposition. And those are the major aspects, right? Um, However, Kepler, this is uh, Johannes Kepler, then um, wrote another uh, book that is called the Harmonis Mundi, uh, where he's actually describing other aspects that give us those, um, you know, fourth and fifth layer of aspects. And there's a whole complicated answer around the ratios relating to geometry, relating to music and how those angles are calculated. Uh, I'm just going to reverse myself out of this conversation and say (laughs) that Ptolemy is responsible for identifying our major aspects of influence. And there are other aspects that Kepler outlined, which are often referred to as the minor aspects, which have, um, you know, less of an impact, but still very much a relationship. And generally, it's not uh, unless you become very versed uh, at other um, influences of aspects, uh, two to three degrees should be safe. Anything beyond that, you might actually be falling into another aspect outlined by Kepler. Mm. Is that a, is that succinct so enough the answer, of an answer? is... We don't know. That's the answer is there is not a defined definition of like two to three, three to four, four to five. So there could be a, def- a definition that would be appropriate for each major aspect, but that would change between aspects. Because once you get over a certain degree with a major aspect, you start to go into minor aspects, but those mm-hmm. are not consistent. It's not consistently saying after four degrees, you're actually in a secondary aspect. Mm-hmm. So it would be there is an exact answer, but that answer is unique for each aspect. Yeah. For each aspect. So trying may have a different um, degree of acceptability or exactness than squares or oppositions, Mm -hmm. right? So each of them will have a different answer. (laughs) So that's why um, in, you know, every article out there, they say roughly uh, rough. Because they were like, we don't want to have this conversation. (laughs) That's right. And I can't open this door. And I tried to, and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Let's, let's close that back up, shall we? So yeah, roughly. That sounds like (laughs) astrology 301. That sounds like that might be the next, next conversation. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, started off real fun there. Okay. So let's go into something that's more interesting to me, which is me. Yes. Um, I need to know all about how Little Oak saw the world and the universe and said, you know what I'd really like to do? Math and planets. 
That's what I need to know how that happened. <laughs> well, uh, slowly, I'll tell you. There's that that country saying that the best way to boil a frog is slowly, right? Because they're right. cold blooded, and if you turn up the temperature incrementally, then they don't jump out of the pot. Well, I am very much that frog. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to go through my histories, uh, not to be. I don't know, so self-centered, but just to give you an example of how, I don't know, my path to astrology certainly wasn't a straight one. And I also um, only recently have accepted the the challenge. And I think a lot of people, you know, as um, you have kind of shared that it's mm-hmm. something of interest to you, but it's also like really intimidating. And mm-hmm. once you start to try to you know, stick, stick your toe in. You're like, Oh shit, that is far too hot. (laughs) Like we're not, I'm not trying to (laughs) bite off 20 years worth of study. And, uh, and that's understandable. So I just want to share my path because maybe it will, um, make others, uh, brave enough to jump in. Maybe, I mean, you know, I'm 40. So I think maybe some people would say, Oh, you can't start studying such a complicated thing. You know, you have to start when you're young. Maybe that would be some kind of paradigm that people have around the idea of studying astrology, or maybe it's like, oh, well, if you um, you have to be really into it to be able to jump in. And I don't think that's the case. I think you actually get more interested in astrology the more you get into it because it starts to reveal itself more and more. Um, so at any rate, uh, so for me, I think the the starting point to astrology was actually astronomy. Um, mm-hmm. I was born in the early 80s, which means in the 90s, um, I was, you know, uh, just a, a kid who was curious about the world and how everything moved and, and worked. And NASA was actually fully funded by the U.S. government. And what? Yeah. And we were sending people to outer space regularly. I, I mean, what was it? Discover, discover, discovery exploded with a school teacher inside of it, that shuttle. Um, And I was a kid uh, in a class with a school teacher when that happened. So it was all very visceral. Um, Yeah. So that was, I think, (laughs) no, no. I mean, I also watched OJ uh, in school. Uh, that car chase. You got to watch the car chase. I love that oh, for you. Yeah. Wait, were you still? Were you in school at the time of nine eleven? Okay. Fun story. I was in hair school. Oh, and so you still got to watch. I was like, yeah. what an unusual education that you had. Oh yeah, we were just essentially told like everything's fucked and nothing is going to be okay. So nothing goes correctly. Yeah, uh, or as planned. Or so love go drink out of the hose and make sure you use you know right. that metal fork on that Teflon and you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so growing up, NASA and space was everywhere. I actually even went to um, space camp, quote unquote, for like low income kids. That was. Uh, in my, my area and sponsored. Um, and I went to space camp for like two weeks and it was amazing. We went to Cape Canaveral, right. Cause I grew up in, um, in Florida. And so it was amazing. There was, I learned so many things. Like I felt like such an insider being like nine years old, knowing that there was no sound in space. And so every time <laughs> Star Trek uh, would come on and, you know, the, the ships would zoom by with the sound. I'd be like, liars, you know, <laughs> I, I felt very cool knowing that information. <laughs> um, I can like see little you being like, 
Well, actually. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I will actually lead a lot. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, at that point in time, we were discovering so much about like black holes and how stars were born and just sci-fi, uh, you know, was very much everywhere as well. Right. So that whole there was just this perfect um, place where people uh, it's not surprising to me that there are a lot of astrologers that are in um my generation, because we were just kind of force fed, like love for the stars and love for the planets and love for space exploration. Um, After that, um, I would say the first time I can actually remember caring about astrology, not just astronomy, um, is I have these really uh, vivid memories of being in a grocery store line, you know, grocery shopping with your parents is so fun. And there's uh, at the checkout counter, they would be these little pastel, like rolled scrolls that kind of look like cigarettes must like individual little ones. And you could purchase them. They're like a dollar and you would open them up and they would have like that month's um, sun uh, sign astrology horoscope mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I could like kind of understand the words. Uh, but you know, I had no idea, but I just felt very cool having this inside information. You know, my childhood was, was tremendously intense. And so the idea of having some kind of control that let down tremendous intense. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't see it as a bad thing. I think most people would be, uh, mm-hmm. sad for a little Oak, but for me, it was, uh, obviously I love my childhood because it gave me my story and all the good, good stuff. So, uh, yeah, the idea of being able to have insights into maybe what was coming, uh, was like this way of having control over the situation and feeling like I could create a sense of safety if I knew what was coming. Um, so those little pastel scrolls, I don't know. Do you, did you ever see those things? Do you remember them? I did see those. Yeah, okay. no, I totally did. And so when you said that at first thing, I was like, what? What? I- remember though and then you you dug that memory out from like the center of my brain and I was like well that was a thing is that still a thing I don't know but I do I've, remember those I've looked I cannot find them I should google it I don't know why I haven't used go the to the dollar technology. store listen they have all the things from our childhood have you been to oh really okay no. yes they might have them there. That'd be very exciting. Um, so then I think the, the next um, you know at that point like I was into astrology um it was something that was around. It was like, you know, in Cosmo and in magazines and, but it was only sun sign. And so, um, you know, having sun in Sagittarius, like Sagittarians are supposed to be all about travel. And for me, I was like, no, I don't want to travel. I don't need more chaos in my life. Like that sounds terrible. Travel has only been a bad thing for me when we've had to move from place to place. So mm-hmm. I very much was like, okay, this isn't accurate. So therefore it must not be real. And then I started to understand that people would say like, oh, that's just like self-help. That's like woo woo. And it was very discounted. And so I think I put it aside for most of my life. Um, It was really only like seven years ago that I understood (laughs) that the sun sign portion of astrology was literally just the smallest possible part of like the smallest. Yeah. And it was super reductive. Um, and honestly, I I think I probably came across it on Pinterest if I had to be totally frank, (laughs) which is how you know that it's legit. 
Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, what is a rising sign? What? You have a moon sign? So um, that was, I mean, again, this is definitely, I'm in my 30s at this point, And I learned this. Um, and around that same time, I had started to um, study with another Wiccan group. And there was a person who, um, you know, was taking on the <laughs> uh, endeavor of learning astrology and you know, the way he spoke about it was crazy intimidating um, to the point in which I said, that's so interesting to me. Uh, I'm, I had this, you know, revelation that there's more than the sun sign. I was super interested. And then the more he talked about it, the more I was like, oh yeah, no, no. Uh, Being new to the occult in general and having just this whole corticopia of topics to dive into from herbal uh, remedies and, and all of those kinds of things to like crystals to there's so much to cover Mm -hmm. within the world of Western occultism that the idea of diving into astrology was like (laughs) low on the, on the priority list for me. Um, and I had a healthy respect for it. So, and I would say that the other thing, um, is that I didn't have my birth time. My mom passed away when I was 15, literally the hospital where I was born is, was torn down like 15 years ago. It doesn't even exist anymore. Um, so I couldn't even call them to get my birth time. So nobody knew when I was born. Uh, I only recently, so this was December of 2021 said, okay, that's enough. I need my long form birth certificate that I know has my time of birth on it. I drove to Jacksonville from where I live and went to Ikea because we don't have one of those and got my (laughs) long form birth certificate. And it was great. And I think that's kind of, I I think that probably marks my serious interest um, in astrology, because at that point I could actually start understanding some of my own placements. Um, So yes. So that's kind of like my history. um, And that's where I kind of started and dove in. Um, And so it's only really been like a year and a half of me, trying to nerd out on the topics. Um, our outer court, uh, has currently three people in it and we are each encouraged to pick a form of divination. And we also want to complement each other's interest. Um, and there's some value in not having overlapping interests because we can bring something net new, like we're doing right now, like you did with folk magic. So having, astrology be something I was interested in, um, being at a place with my, uh, occult studies where I feel like I have pretty good coverage in every other area that I'm interested in. Like I was finally willing to say, okay, I'm going to be the astrology gal. Um, and, uh, like I said, that's why I'm so hesitant to even say like, I'm a baby astrologer um, because I'm just so reverent towards the depth of the topic um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, still very new um, to the study of it. But yeah, that's me. Love that. Yeah. I love, I love a little you in line at the store, (laughs) a little pastel thing. And I can like picture your mom being like, yeah, whatever, get the thing. And then later being like, (laughs) You know what? And that's why she's weird. Is because yeah. Oh yeah. My mom became a store. Yeah. My mom became a born again Christian and was like, yeah, that didn't happen later. Mm-mm. Nope. Right. Yeah. But like, I made some mistakes. 
Yeah. But at that point she was open to it. So, okay. Enough about me. I want to dive into the big topic, the, uh, 27,000 year topic of (laughs) astrological history, uh, as I understand it. And as I was able to find it, my dog's having a dream. Oh, did you hear that? I love that. He's, he's barking at someone in his dream. Um, so yeah, 27,000 years. Ready? Okay. <laughs> so <coughs> ready my, as I'll ever be. My lungs are not ready, but we're going to do this. Okay. So history is tricky because where do you start? Um, usually if we can, uh, as we've discussed in the past, um, history generally begins with artifacts, right? Um, that's how we can kind of define the beginning of something. And so of course, Um, There are artifacts that are carbon dated to be 25,000 years uh, before common era that were found that were found. Um, And this, if we define astrology as the observation of celestial bodies over time to then find correlation to the things happening on earth, then we could say 25,000 BCE would be our starting point (coughs) where there are, things practiced before then, I'm sure. Do we have proof of it? No, right? And by proof, I mean evidence, not proof. Um, So theories, the current uh, theories that we have in place are that timeline. So starting from there, um, astrology that had the purpose of analyzing individuals uh, really only became popular recently, right? Mm -hmm. This whole like natal astrology obsession. Before that, uh, astrology had very, um, had uh, a really important place in um, electional um, and uh, that kind of horary. How were you going to say it? Horary. 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 (laughs) Horary. Yeah. Sinasty. Horary. Sinasty. Uh, but yeah, so there's astrology that where you look to the stars to say, Hey, what's going to happen? What's the best time to do something? Where are the favorable conditions? And Alexander, uh, of Macedonia, um, was very, uh, keen to use this kind of technology. Um, so there's definite, um, proof of him leveraging this kind of information as he set out to conquer the world. Um, the cross-pollinization of Egyptian, the Greek cultures, the Persian cultures, the Chaldean cultures, um, all kind of were working together in that time period because there was lots of trade lines. There was also mm-hmm. this whole <laughs> uh, worldwide uh, conqueror that was kind of in some way consolidating information. Um, and we would see the earliest zodiac Uh, found in Egypt, um, and this dates to the first century BCE. And this is called the Dendera Zodiac. So that's D-E-N-D-E-R Zodiac. And so that's first century. Um, What's particularly important uh, with this horoscopic astrology is the Greek and Roman astrologer, Grecian Roman, Greco-Roman astrologer Ptolemy, who we already talked about, who was living in Alexandria um, during this kind of like Roman Egyptian period of time. And uh, he was really paramount in creating this kind of like person-centered approach to astrology. 
Mm-hmm. which really kind of uh, launched the uh, development of really a ton of different techniques for interpreting chart. Um, Hellenistic model was uh, prevalent during this time period, and uh, that model incorporates both concepts from the Babylonian um, practices and the Egypt- Egyptian astrology. Um, the, the issues, of course, is that there are so many details that are lost over time. Uh, between, you know, things being buried and, uh, you know, Christianity coming in and all these kinds of things. So let, let's let's fast forward there. So after Alexander the Great's death, Christianity rose in popularity and Christianity has some very clear opposing ideas to divination in general and also specifically astrology <laughs> and how uh, we'll talk about that more in the earth ideas, but this is in general conflicts with God's will, right? So the relics from this time um, we see, you know, we, it kind of goes cold in the Western world around the seventh century then. um, But around the same time in the Muslim um, and then later Persian communities in the East, it started to have a kind of resurgence of popularity. And um, they began to translate the ancient Greek text on the topic and started adding, you know, new observations about the planets and new theories. The Christian crusades around the 11th century actually led to Persian um, archaeology, um, uh, astro- astrological text to actually return to Europe. So, and this is then being translated back and um, being translated from Arabic uh, to Latin. So there's there's this really interesting connection where uh, we're looking at Chaldean cultures and Egyptian cultures and Babylonian um, people who are, you know, creating these ideas and then it's flowing into Greece and then it flows back into Eastern cultures. (laughs) And there's some, you know, technologies that are lost in that time period, but just this flow back and forth of popularity of astrology is really interesting. And it really, it's, you know, Christianity um, and the crusades that we have to thank for that back and forth kind of process. Um, With the return of the text in Europe, right, there was now a rise of what is referred to as medieval astrology. So this is Renaissance period, 1600s. We see a thought leader like William Lilly. So William and then L-I-L-L-Y, Lilly. And this person really helped to kind of add to the knowledge through experimentation However, this uh, after this kind of medieval astrology um, started to develop, the Age of Enlightenment came in. And so the idea of scientific thought uh, really conflicted with a lot of astrological theories, right? So again, <laughs> it became less popular. And so there's this, again, this rise and fall and rise and fall of popularity of astrology. Um, we also then had this new theory in place that the sun did not revolve around the earth, but rather the other way around, right? So where the sun um, was the center of the solar system and the earth revolved around it. And so, you know, that potentially maybe debunked some of the ideas and made it less popular. Around the same time, you know, many other uh, divinatory practices became outlawed. Um, And astrology, of course, fell into that scope. So we see the you know age of enlightenment both have scientific thought kind of contrast astrology, and then it just literally became illegal. Um, and so that led to the practice going underground. 
we see the popularity of astrology in Western culture kind of pop up again in the 1800s. And so this is probably where most people would be familiar with astrology's history. I, I assume everybody kind of knew that there was a lot of like Babylonian, Grecian, Roman, Chaldean um, influence. Did you know, like, I feel like that's commonly known. Is that something that you had ideas yeah. around? Yeah. I mean, I think I knew that lots of different uh, cultures studied astrology. I don't know that I realized that it was kind of just passed mm-hmm. back and forth. I've always had the question, like, how did people arrive at these similar conclusions if they didn't interact? But it sounds like they did interact, just maybe not all at the same time period. So someone passed it to someone who interacted with somebody else as a, at a later point in time. Yeah. And I mean, and across Europe, there was a lot of, you know, the current events could be observed by different cultures. And so a lot of astrology had developed from the observation of like mundane astrology, right? When countries go to war, when conquerors, you know, go out and (laughs) try to take over other countries. And so um, I think while we think of these cultures as being separate, like they're observing and interacting and trade routes and all that good stuff. So, um, and yeah, I think it's, it is really interesting just the, how the influence that religions had, especially monotheistic religions had on the popularity of astrology and how that kind of led to the decline and something's being lost and now something's being gained. Um, so yeah. Very, uh, very interesting narrative to follow and quite confusing. Okay. So, but in the 1800s, <laughs> you have heard of spiritualism, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this movement from uh, the 1800s that really made astrology, you know, brought it back to America and to English speaking countries. And it allowed for the decriminalization of divination, right? Because people wild. like, yeah, people were like, no, I have money, I'm white, and I want to have my tarot cards read. So you got to get rid of that law. I don't like that law anymore, right? But also, like, how were we <laughs> How were we determining – like, I just don't know how you could be found guilty. I guess if they found yeah. your things. I don't know. I just – I'm like, if someone was just looking up at the stars and they're like, yeah, so that's where cancer is today. Well, so I think – That's what this means. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. So, you know, you're aware of – the witchcraft laws being decriminalized in Europe in the 1950s, mm-hmm. which then led to Gardner, um, the mm-hmm. founder of our tradition, um, being able to come forward and in, in the public light. The reason that witchcraft actually was decriminalized is because you couldn't actually uh, persecute anybody under these laws because it was too ridiculous. So they actually replaced the witchcraft laws with fortune telling laws. And so it's illegal. It was illegal. I th- uh, and in a lot of states, it still is. It's illegal to charge people for um, divination unless you create clarity that it's for entertainment purposes only, right? Very Miss Cleo. <laughs> like you have to say yeah. that this is just for funsies and don't make any choices in your life about it. Um, right. Yeah, and that still exists. So I think it's interesting yeah. that <laughs> the thing that made witchcraft legal was so that they could persecute fortune tellers, right? <laughs> Interesting because I feel like the lottery is is 
based a lot in divination and like the picking of the numbers, divining what are going to be the winning numbers. And we certainly have not ever outlawed that, you know. Oh, that's I mean? just like, called guessing. No, guessing's okay. You can guess. You just can't right. say that you're confident in your guesses based on information. Cuz that right. would be <laughs> <laughs> right. Divination. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we still see a lot of these kind of remnants of the laws in states like Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Carolina. They still have codes that require all spiritual advisors to have this kind of disclaimer that it's for entertainment purposes. In the 1930s, we see in the Western world, the first time we start to see the kind of horoscope being published in the newspaper. And the first, um, and this is in England, the first time we saw an actual astrological birth chart be presented was after the birth of Princess Margaret um, in 1930. And so this really led to the kind of interest in printed newspapers, weekly newspapers, to host um, astrology. Uh, people rarely were, you know, would have the means to have their birth chart calculated. So the only thing that um, we could really point to that would be easy enough for anybody to understand would be sun signs. And it made everything really accessible, but it also, of course, watered it down. But then that's how sun signs became popular because the need to make it accessible to the masses through printed publications like weekly news um, publications, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, because I've always... Well, the first time I read like the attributes for cancer, I was like, I don't know who she is, but she isn't me. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who, who, what, an overly emotional yeah. person. I don't get it. Um, and it's funny because in the first time I was aware that there were moon and rising signs, that's when I was like, oh no, I identify with those people. I don't know who, who is she? And then, and then I realized like some of those aspects are picked up here. The, the maternal, the motherly ones. Okay. Got it. But really, I identified a lot more with my moon and rising sign. And that's when I was like, oh, there's a lot more here mm -hmm. than just this sun sign piece. There's a Same. lot more. Same. But it's just so interesting to be like, how did we end up not using the more often accurate feeling um, astrology to identify people's personalities like rising and moon? It's because people had to make money mm -hmm. in the printing press. So uh in the probably in the 20th century, this is when we started to see this kind of psychological science um, work their way into astrological systems. Um, so around the kind of 20th century, turn of century, Eastern spiritual thought was starting to gain traction, like in the U.S., but also in the West in general. So um, new books like um, I have no idea how to pronounce this person's last name, but I'm going to say Rudyard. Uh, Dane Rudyard, uh, they had a publication uh, called the Astrology of Personality. And this was the first time that we actually started to see psychology be mixed with astrology. It's crazy to think that it was that early on, right in the 19th, it says 1936, that we saw that blend of psychology and astrology, and it's like stuck ever since. But before that, we literally didn't see that connection. It was more about predicting like the mundane and electional and all those other types right. of astrology. Macro level astrology versus like micro level astrology. Or um, more like, give me an answer. So when we first started, you oh, talked yeah, about yeah. how astrology is not like other forms of divination where you have a question, you do a thing and you get an answer. And it mm -hmm. is like that, right? That is 
very much the whole idea of um, mundane the astrology. Whole, well, no, mundane Hor- astrology horary. is actually horary. Horary. Uh, <laughs> mundane astrology is actually it feels like a terrible named um, <laughs> because it's more significant than that. It's actually talking about those um, uh, social, political, like larger. The bigger, uh, themes. The macro stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The macro okay. stuff, which I think is so funny because it's like mundane makes it feel like it's minimizing its impact, but right. um, that's important. But at any rate, I didn't name it. They didn't ask me if they would have, they would have got a better name. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, astrology can very much be used to, I'm sorry, my doggo is being very protective. He is Stop. protecting you from invaders. He's <sighs> doing his job really yeah. well. I'm going to, I'm going to, just take a beat and put him outside my room. I'm okay. sorry. Here's here's I'll the real totally. us. Here's the real witches. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Nelson. And while she can't hear go. me, this is go. me saying she's just great, right? Isn't she so good? I like the research part. She's gonna listen to this later and laugh. Okay, I couldn't hear anything because I have headphones. So whatever yeah, you said, I know. I totally was wasn't even saying anything. So, <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I just back to this idea of like, no, like uh, very much astrology can be used to get a yes or no answer, or it can be used to say, here's the influences to consider just like any other form of astrology. Is it far more complicated? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> but it can provide that same level of clarity um, once you're you know deep enough into the information. Okay, so astrology with psychology started to show up in that 1936. In the 1960s, uh, it just blew up, right? The rise of modern astrology in the West was a big point of interest for all those hippies, right? So we had a lot of of new astrologers come into the space that really built off of Rudyard's ideas of psychology and astrology and the connection. Um, And this really was a perfect environment for these things to flourish because of the interest in, you know, spiritual development and meditation and all of those other kind of Eastern ideas. And I think that's a really interesting connection. Whenever Eastern philosophies, religion practices come into light, we often see astrology come with that, right? In the 1900s, I'm sorry, 1800s, we started to see that same kind of thing where spiritualism came in and spiritualism was connected with some kind of Eastern thoughts um, and it became more palatable. So in the 19, so that's the 1960s, there was something that really was important that happened in the 1970s, which is um, the use of the asteroids in astrology in a popular way, right? So the there's uh, like Juno and and Vesta and um, Sirius. Uh, all of these kinds of asteroids were discovered in maybe like the early 1800s to maybe 1845. And when these asteroids became were discovered, they were actually started to, they were named after goddesses um, rather than gods, right? All of the quote unquote planets that we think of in um, the larger sense, other than earth and Venus are masculine. And so to offset that, and this was the rise of, you know, feminist movement, um, Dimitri George had this publication that came out in uh, 1986 called Asteroid Goddesses, which was kind of rolling up 
all of these ideas that had started to be developed in the 1970s. Eleanor Bach uh, is really kind of maybe identified with the first person that had asteroids in their ephemeris. The ephemeris is like the paper version of transits. Um, so it calculates mm-hmm. where a planet would be, you know, before they had apps. <laughs> and uh, she had that ephemeris published in 1973. So um, Dimitri George is a big figure in astrology, especially like in the feminist kind of aspects of astrology um, in 1986. So there have been obviously a lot of interest that has kind of retained over the years. In the 1990s, it was huge, right? In the 1980s, maybe astrology became part of this kind of like new age, quote unquote, movement um, that had things like meditations and crystals and just this whole kind of like witchy, but they wouldn't call it witchy. They call it new new age or very woo-woo, right? Um, in the 1990s, uh, that self-help or practical psychology became popular. Um, and really in the 2000s is when we saw astrology kind of drop off in interest. Um, but maybe it was in the, uh, you know, 2006, some people point to that being the turning point where Cosmos and Psyche was published. Um, and this mm-hmm. is, you know, we talked about that previously, uh, where the academic point of view of mundane astrology was kind of pointed to. But I think it probably more importantly was the internet's ability to give resources and to make um, all of these kind of like ancient texts more available to astrologers. Um, that really was just the gasoline on the fire. I mean, astro- astrology has, I don't know, I, I couldn't even quantify the growth in such a short period of time because of um, because of the internet. Uh, but it is just more than gasoline on fire. I don't know. It's it's hydrogen to fire <laughs> um, and how it has grown the technologies and, and conversations and communities. Um, and that leads us to kind of where we are right now. So yeah, we just went 25,000 years in and didn't age a day. 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel aged, but that's okay. Stop Hopefully it. the um, listeners you- do not. <laughs> so, so do you think, so in the 70s, the 1970s, when we had like this um, rise of femininity, we started adding asteroids in there. Like, do you think the whole world experienced astrology that way? Or is that like purely an American concept? Like, I'm thinking about like in collective cultures where maybe there isn't as much emphasis on the individual. Like, did they experience astrology in the same way that like Americans experience astrology or is it more of that mundane astrology and less focus on like individual astrology? Hmm. Well, I think the feminist movement in the U S was very U S centric, but it, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, especially, uh, United Kingdom and the U S have often very similar histories in terms of social ideas and norms. Um, but I have no idea like, the how what the non-american viewpoint is from that kind of like 1960s and beyond um and even kind of spiritualism wasn't i mean was certainly something that was you know popular in um you know english speaking european mm-hmm. countries that i know of but yeah i haven't um researched too much like what other countries especially like non-english speaking countries how they experienced yeah. history and so th- to be, yeah, I think it's a great call out that I'm really addressing history from my American point of view and um, only acknowledging those kinds of meaningful changes. But there's mm-hmm. so much, obviously, I mean, 25,000 years worth of history. I just <laughs> uh, yeah. 
blast, uh, uh, blast over uh, a huge <laughs> portion of information. Um, and maybe that does uh, need to be pointed out. Yeah, Van? I just, I, I'm so curious, you know, because we, I feel like Americans experience uh, a lot of astrology on that individual level, especially once we started like publishing horoscopes and like, it's all like about you and your sign and your natal chart. And I'm like, is that, is that still the truth? Because I find that when like Eastern things come Western, yep, we like mm-hmm. individualize the fuck out of them. Um, and then I'm like, <laughs> what happens? Does that go back or or does it, they're just like, oh no, the Westerns, mm-hmm. they do their own thing. We're still going to look at things holistically. Um, so well, I, yeah, I mean, I think that in general, like quote unquote astrologers have always been interested beyond individual uh, influences, interpretations, but you have to have an access point. And if you are right. going to um, promote a uh, astrology, you have to do it from, Hey, here's about you. Here's about your mm-hmm. love life and your health and, you know, your money. Like you have to make it that way for it to be popular. Um, so the last thing I'll say just about the, um, developments over time. I think one big one was telescopes, right? I just bought a telescope. So this is so relevant. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, telescopes were really created. Um, Maybe the first time we would see this is in the Netherlands in the 1608 um, was the number that I found. Um, And then we also had a ton of uh, around that same time, lots of other makers came out. um, And because of this, we actually didn't discover Uranus until 1781. Isn't that crazy? crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't worth, obviously it wasn't worth, uh, it wasn't with that same uh, telescope that was created in the 1600s. Um, It was with a more progressed and more advanced uh, Herschel telescope. Neptune was officially discovered in 1846. of course, around the same time, there were some other people who also uh, predicted it, meaning like they could see the influence of the planetary body um, on stars. And so they said, hey, we think it's out there, but it wasn't officially discovered um, until that 1846 number. Pluto was discovered uh, again, 1930. Now, we all think now of Pluto being a dwarf planet. Um, Still but- a planet. Yeah, still a planet. Uh, but again, you know, both um, both Neptune and Pluto both had these kind of people who came before the official discovery date saying, hey, we can see that there are gravitational pulls and um, abnormalities that point to the idea that there is a planet in this space. But yeah, 1930, Pluto. Crazy, right? Crazy. No, it's crazy. So that that talks about more of the like when they talk about like the original ruler of something and the, and they're not yeah. acknowledging like Neptune and Pluto um, and Uranus. Yeah, right. yeah. Like okay. Hellenic Hellenic astrology didn't have any clearly right. Didn't have any of these mm-hmm. um, planets when that was created. And so um, yeah, there's tons of information that they um, could see and and could observe uh, and created associations before these discovered planets. Um, And so when these planets were discovered, it's so interesting to think about like, what was the thought process that made Pluto be the planet of um, transitions and change and, you know, like (laughs) who decided that and how did we figure that out? 
I'm not sure. And that's a whole nother deep dive that you could take right. if you wanted to. <laughs> that's the 201. Um, so yeah. I don't know. 201 I, astrology class. Uh. I feel like that's like 401, you know, the idea of like, <laughs> how did associations, uh, how did they, how were they created? And I doubt that there's even, you know, great documentation that points to one clear answer, you know? Mm-hmm. So, okay. I think we did good. We went over it. all the history um, of both me and of uh, astrology as it appears to an American. Um, so we're going to transition now into earth topics. Ready? Challenges. <laughs> challenges. Oh, integrations. Yeah. So many um, challenges. I don't even know how you're going to like succinctly cover this. <laughs> I'm not going to succinctly do it, but I'll try to do it. Uh, I'm going to first kind of talk about some ways of thinking about astrology or ways I'm thinking about astrology and that I've observed other people thinking about it. And then we'll get into kind of some of these more um, tactical or problematic kind of questions that we should answer. Um, but the first thing I want to say is like in our culture, astrology has been uh woefully um, oversimplified, right? And the reason it's been oversimplified uh, is because we have to make it palatable for people to understand. And we already talked about that publication in the newspaper is kind of where we first started to see that and that took off. And so it kind of continued, right? Even to this day, we have astrology being published on magazine apps and all over the place. And it still talks about sun sign, which to me is like, are we still there? We're still, we're still going to talk about sun signs. Okay. All right. Well, we're still there. All right. Um, But for me, like I can also see the silver lining in that because it's been kind of oversimplified, I can talk about astrology around people that would otherwise be totally kind of like freaked out if I were to talk about other forms of divination, like runes or tarot or pendulums or scrying, right? All those other things, they'd be like, that's witchcraft. But when I talk about astrology, it's like, oh, you're just being kind of funny and woo woo, <laughs> which is so interesting. I think the reason that it, that it is so acceptable is because it has had such a long documented history and because who's answering the questions when you're talking about astrology, where are the messages coming from? When we're talking about astrology, we're saying, oh, well, these planetary bodies are having this influence. And so therefore it's not like a dead ancestor or a mm-hmm. god or uh, elemental inner thing to yourself right. yeah mm-hmm. because you're not like using these kind of woo-woo energies and you're just talking about these things we can all observe then it's more acceptable mm-hmm. which i just think is like literally during more like scientific like i feel like when people understand there's more than just a sun sign and, the, and you talk about yeah. like where the planet like then it, it feels like there's legitimacy to it because it feels like the there's extensive study and things like that. Or when we talk about tarot, they're just like, they're just looking at some cards and guessing some shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so it, mm-hmm. it brings a level of like legitimacy that I think people are really interested in, but also don't find accessible in the sense that like they don't know how to read a natal chart like off the bat. And it's the same thing with tarot cards, but we don't feel that way when you get an astrology reading. Yeah. I mean, you just put like a number associated with something and all of a sudden it becomes like, Ooh, smart and valid. Right. Like <laughs> you're Sagittarius in 15 degrees. And they're like, that's geometry. That's legitimate. I learned that. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that so funny? So funny. Um, I mean, I literally will go into leadership meetings and say, okay, guys, listen, 
Venus is in retrograde. So let's be nice to each other. Let's point out what we love about each other. Like I can literally say that. And even the Christians in the room are like, okay, yeah, let's talk about that. You know, it's, it's so interesting to me how palatable astrology is in our culture right now. Um, so I think that the, it's important for us to talk about uh, how you can think about astrology working. And this is so misunderstood, right? Um, I'll talk about later on how uh, maybe people with opposing viewpoints view astrology versus like how I view astrology. So I think uh, there is a, I think a beautiful point of entry for someone, for a new person is this um, author and astrologer name called, I think it's so funny when people say called instead of named. It's what I'm calling them, but I don't know what they want to be named. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So uh, Aliza Kelly, um, we'll put some show notes here, has this, uh, has this book um, that she recently published called, this is your destiny. I discovered um, Aliza. She was like a People magazine. She's the astrologer for People magazine. She's just really funny, very um, millennial, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like total Instagram influencer person. But also has like you know, just has the accurate information and is not inaccurate. So for me, it was very palatable. Um, the way that she talks about kind of her understanding of astrology is the idea that um, it astrology is like. As you're looking at a clock, you know that that clock is not dictating the time, but is rather reflecting what time it is. And so mm-hmm. when the hand of the minute and the hour gets to noon o'clock, midday, it just happens to be that the sun is overhead at that same time, right? That is, the clock is reflecting what is happening. The clock is not making the sun go over your head. That is just happens to be what is correlated to that time, not causated, right? And so Mm -hmm. this idea of correlation and causation is massively important to any critical thinker. I think that this is like something where we could prevent 80% of misinformation. Again, that's a really funny statement because I couldn't quantify that. So it is misinformation, (laughs) right? So, uh, but this is an estimation. (laughs) But I think, yeah, so many things I hear um, that are fallacies are created because people are using causation versus Mm -hmm. correlation. And I'll point to this in in another um, article here. But um, so when we're talking about, you know, planets and planetary transits and, you know, the Zodiac and, and house systems, we're really just looking at the cosmos as a clock that is pointing to a certain time. And what we know is during that time, these things tend to happen. And there's just this correlation between reality and what's being reflected above. Um, so I think that clock on the wall kind of analogy works really well for me. Yeah. And it helps me explain this easily to people because the clock yeah. doesn't make time. It literally is just reflecting the time. And so it could be that you eat lunch. It could be that you don't eat lunch at noon, right? Lots of people don't. And so this, you have free will. Uh, Fate is not determined. Uh, The stars, (laughs) like Mars isn't making you do anything. It just happens to be the case that when Mars is in Virgo, you tend to be pretty productive at work or at least have a lot of movement happening or (laughs) challenges. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Does that resonate with you? No, it, I think it really does because it, I think when people can relate things in their own life and be like, 
oh, that seems out there. But then you relate it to something that like they actually do. And they're like, oh, maybe I need to rethink all of my thoughts on this thing. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's very much, I think the same thing with Christianity when people are like, oh, well, that belief system is so wild. And I'm like, we literally believe in a sky daddy who made the rules and made people imperfect and then holds people accountable for the rules that they made when they made the people imperfect. Like, do we see how that, that <laughs> logic sounds kind of wild too, if you weren't part yeah. of that belief system? And so it's, it's, I think it's interesting when we point to something that like everybody can reference like a clock and we're like, yeah, so you're already doing this thing. You just don't realize you're doing it. And you're like, oh crap. Mm-hmm. Right. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, um, that, yeah, again, so I think that could be one way of thinking about it. I think all astrologers will say that uh, astrology and the interpretation of astrology is literally just giving you a map of potential realities, mm-hmm. right? So when we talk about a natal chart, we talk about, hey, here are some potential um, personality traits or life uh, trajectories that could uh, be influenced. And the different ways that those things tend to manifest are often really interesting to astrologers, right? When you go to a, mm-hmm. a, an astrologer and you have your chart um, read and they ask you things like, have you ever experienced this? And your answer to that is so interesting to astrologers because how that manifests in your life is so different than how that manifests for someone else. And they're still kind of in the same direction, but just in a completely different route. Um, so it's certainly not prescriptive, nor is it causation. It's more correlation and uh, potential, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So last thing I'm going to say about kind of philosophies is that, um, I don't know, and I don't know if this should go here or somewhere else, but there is so much overlap between hermetic belief systems and theories um, and hermeticism, which Ptolemy was also um you know, influential in, uh, and astrology, right? So some things around like as above, so below, um, the principle of correspondences, the core, the principle of rhythm. Um, all of these things are, you know, if you're going to get into astrology, it's probably also worth diving into some hermetic principles and seeing how that plays out, um, in astrology. I'll just put that kind of like little, snippet there and let people play right. with it if they want to. You're like, and here's a potential rabbit hole for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you. Okay. So I do want to talk about how you can use astrology and integrate it into your life and where to start and all that good stuff. But before I get into that, I would be remiss to not address uh, the elephant in the room in our modern popular society in the US, which is Christianity's connection relationship with astrology, right? And I am very sensitive to create any kind of polarized uh, um, claims around Christianity because Christians are as diverse as any, uh, you know, witchy person out there, right? And so there is a book that they maybe some of them point to, some of them don't, right? Some some Christians don't even uh, take the Old Testament. (laughs) So there's a lot of dissonance in Mm -hmm. uh, what, quote unquote, Christians, which is a useless umbrella term, really all, you know, really big umbrella. Like it's, it's it's like such a useless, it's so big that like the rain would blow in sideways. It's, it's, (laughs) it has no purpose. Like, 
Christians, maybe the only thing that connects them is they acknowledge Jesus. They acknowledge heaven and hell. They, so a lot of them don't acknowledge the devil. Uh, you yeah. know, so like, and not all of them, kind of, they believe in a one true God, but there's also like Catholic part. That's like, Holy go. There's a Trinity. The Trinity. No, there's yeah. a whole yeah, yeah. thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to try to say that like, Oh, here's what Christians believe and they're wrong. And you know, like that's not helpful, nor is it capturing, like I have a lot of Christian friends like that know that I practice witchcraft and we talk about the differences between monotheistic religions and polytheistic religions and have really productive discourse around those things with no problem. <laughs> you know, like there is no, um, I think it's really important when we're out interacting with any uh, religious person that we have tact and we have, uh, we really ask people, what do they believe and why rather than have assumptions around what Christianity means. Right. So just to put that out there. Um, so I'm going to have all of the uh, reverence and uh, sensitivity here when I'm addressing the challenges that Christians could have and maybe should have with astrology based in some of references. So I have two websites here, just cursory uh, research. One is um, christianpure.com. So Christian word pure, uh, like P-U-R-E.com and christianity.com. So I'll put these links and so people can check it out. Um, and both of these sites are, you know, big uh, front. <laughs> when you search it, it comes up right away. Um, and they're just really big sites with tons of website traffic. And so there's two things that I think were useful to understand. Uh, one article that I'm referencing here, which is what Christians should know about the study of astrology, is that number the, the primary thing here is that it literally says in the Bible that divination is not good, nor does God approve of divination. Um, I just want to read this like quote here. And I want to read this quote because I think it's going to point out how they are misunderstanding. This particular author is misunderstanding how astrologers even think about astrology and then is using that to discount and um, contrast the value or maybe um, how why astrology is sin. Okay. So this person says um, astrology is a belief uh, and corresponding study and analysis that one's personality and destiny are governed by astronomical phenomena at the same at the time of their birth and then throughout their life. So in other words, this is what continuing, uh, in other words, your fate, your fortune, and your entire life is to a very great extent determined by the sun, moon, stars, and planet. The underlying principle is that positions of those heavenly bodies have the power to influence not only your, perso your persona and behavior, but to impact your daily, weekly, monthly um, events in your life. Okay, what do you hear that is a problem with that I statement? I hear causation, not correlation. That's what yeah. I'm hearing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And if that was um, how astrology worked or how most astrologers thought about it, I could understand the challenge that you have with that. There are, sure. um, yeah, like if you think that 
It's it's directly converse to your beliefs then. Like that. Sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. Cause you're like, no, no, no. The sun doesn't tell me what to do. God tells me what to do. Right. And God's will and God has my, you know, uh has my future laid out for me and, and everything's part of his plan, right? Well, or some Christians a little believe bit of the free will. Plan. You know, the free will piece of that, like, well, if the sun, moon, stars, planets determine all of this, then what do I have free will? Is that a real thing? That, right. You know. Yeah. So if that is your interpretation of astrology, sure. That's, uh, you know, then Christians should not participate. Um, but that isn't how I understand astrology. So there's that. The second part, the second uh, reference here with the christianpure.com. This is a really interesting article. And I actually want to kind of dive deeper into some of its citations. This article has a ton of biblical references that literally says that you cannot believe in astrology because there are many things that point to the stars, uh, Jesus's birth. How did the wise men get to the manger? They followed a star. star. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then in other aspects, and this is why I think this, this article is so interesting in other tellings, there was a King who had divination um, via astrology and the interpretation and predictions were incorrect. And that was proof in the Bible that astrology was nonsense, right? Uh, so this is some story about a, a failed astrologer. I don't know. Uh, and what, what's fail, failure? I don't know. But um, right, And now he damned everyone else to be <laughs> soothsayers because, because right. he was not that's great right. at it. Fantastic. And so in this article, essentially what they're saying, the Bible is saying on the topic is that you can use stars to track time. You're you're good there. You're not sinning. But if you use it to anticipate or to guess what's going to happen next, divination, then it's bad. Thumbs down. So they're like, no, as above, so below. No, no, no. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's actually worth, it's really, I mean, for me, it's important to try to understand where other people come from and to mm-hmm. not assume that I know what they believe or what their source text is. And so I would really encourage people, if you are, if you have Christians in your life and you believe in astrology and you want to have some footing to have actual conversation um, and engage in in um, understanding, like check these things out and see what they're saying and uh you know, you can see some of the fallacies that are being used here, but also it, I think, creates a lot of empathy. And it would help you have a productive conversation if you can say, hey, that thing that you think is not actually how that how we think about it or how I think mm-hmm. about it. So what if you thought about like this? Do you still have a problem with it? Right. right. So maybe they do, but I think it's worth um, clarifying. Okay. Enough about Christians. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> um, and it's not just Christians, right? There's a lot of other mm-hmm. faiths um, that are monotheistic that have issue with astrology. Okay. So let's uh, kind of wrap up with how could we use astrology in our daily life? Well, number one, Astrology, natal astrology is used to understand yourself better. Uh, There's ways of analyzing yourself uh, that are just naturally built into astrology. Whether or not you say, you know what? No, I am not those things that are associated with my cancer sign, my cancer sun sign, or you say, yeah, I am those things. The fact that you ask yourself the question, am I an emotional person? has a shit ton of value. 
right? Mm -hmm. The fact that you ask yourself that question is a way of better understanding yourself and having some self-analysis and self-reflection. So I would say the value for astrology in people's lives. And if I was talking to someone who is anti-astrology, I would literally just say, what if this was a vehicle for me to ask myself questions about how I see myself? Mm-hmm. Right. What did that have inherent value? And I think yeah. it would. Um, there is uh, so natal astrology, definitely a great way to use astrology in your daily life to think about those things. However, it is a place of privilege to know what time you're born. Right. Like I didn't know until I was, I don't know, what was that, 38, um, 39, maybe. Yeah, 39. No, 30, yeah, 39. Uh, <laughs> what time I was born, right? Because, you know, my mother died when I was young. My father, you know, I don't even know if he was there, but <laughs> like nobody knew what time I was born. And so I had to take a trip to a place where they were storing information. I had to pay money. I had to take time off of work potentially to do those things. And so that's privilege. If you don't know, if there's no way for you to recover your birth time, for instance, if you were born um, and then adopted without records, then um, there is a process that you can go through, which is uh, this kind of like birth time um, rectification is the process. Uh, There is another thought leader who... (laughs) nobody's ever going to listen to this that would then relate this message back to this person. But Chris Brennan is brilliant, brilliant person is like one um, was the president of like uh, this very prestigious astrological organization. And maybe if he hears me say this, I'll never be able to get a certification with this organization again. <laughs> I don't know, but bless his heart. He's so smart and he is the driest speaker I've ever heard in my whole life. Just and it is a burden and a curse to be so brilliant. I, I think it's it's a requirement that if you are at that level of brilliance, that you are <laughs> incapable of bringing other people to your level of brilliance because you simply can't get the following. I'm I'm convinced that it's a requirement. It's how the the world balances its energies. Okay. It's like you, you have, have to. Have everything. I I would highly recommend anybody who's passionate about astrology and wants to dive into it to at some point take on this person's. Um, podcast. It's a huge podcast. It has a shit ton of followers. It's like, and it's really meaningful and covers amazing topics and has, have amazing guests. Chris Brennan. Love him. This is the four hour long ones. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like no opening music. There's no segments. There's no like right to the point here. (laughs) And we're going to do it in four hours. And the way that he interacts with his guest, it just cracks me up. I just highly recommend it, but uh, it's not going to be entertaining. It's going to be informational and that's okay. Uh, but yeah, so as a, I just want to give you an example here <clears throat> of the way that people approach um, rectification. So he has a quote um, on the topic where my approach to rectification is to identify some of the main themes and events that have occurred in a person's life and then attempt to match those facts with a chart that falls within the available time frame on the person's, um, you know, date of birth. So it's really important to know the time of date because we need to know exactly where the moon was. We need to know exactly what constellation was on the horizon, right? We need to know these really important times. And so instead of working from the point of information to the output, he's working from the output going back in. He's saying, okay, well, if, yeah, if you had your son, in 
or not son, because you know your son because based on your time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, so we're asking questions around like, what's your relationship with your mother? What's your relationship with your father? What are major life events that have happened? Um, how would you describe your personality? So by kind of working from the output, uh, we can then kind of determine the input through this process of rectification. Is it 100% accurate? No, but it can certainly give you but the there's best. there's nothing to... Yeah. Confuse, like, you know what I mean? Like, what, yeah. what is there to obfuscate it? If you don't have <laughs> that data, you might as well be like, all right, well, let's let's work backwards, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's what that kind of rectification is. It's very expensive. I'll say that because it's quite uh, labor intensive because somebody actually has to really know a lot about you to right. make a very good guess. Um, okay, so that's just kind of like natal chart in your daily life. What are some other ways that you can use astrology in your data? daily life? Well, divination, right? We talked about electional astrology, which will tell you kind of when you should do something. Relational astrology could tell you like the dynamics of, you know, what your relationship with your child might be like or your partner. And then we have our favorite word in the whole world, horary uh, astrology. Could Someone's going like to listen yes. to our podcast okay. solely so they can laugh at the number of, yeah. they're going to, it's going to be a drinking game. It will be. <laughs> I literally was having the same thought. Every time. I hope they're drinking water. They'll will, they will be so hydrated. It'll be great. Um, but yeah, so there's like just literally using it as divination. That would be another way. Um, and in order to do this, um, it is very useful to have a astrology app um, and to find daily transits, moon transits, whatever you're focusing on at that time. I will say that I have, uh, what do I have? I have time passages. Yes, I have time mm-hmm. passages and I have the paid for version of time passages, which allows me to store multiple people's charts and then compare them to my own. Or it allows me to see kind of like what their um, placements are. And it's a really interesting uh, place to start from to like, <laughs> I think you commented, I showed you like how many people's information <laughs> I have in my <laughs> Why do you have a database of every human you've ever met? <laughs> oh, it's so funny too, because I'm not actually good enough at astrology to be able to tell them anything about it. I just go like, tell me your time and enter your information. I go, interesting. And then move on. It's very <laughs> I'm like, I can't tell you anything about it, but I want to be able to reference it when I can. Um, just know that there are people out there who like want your information, not to scam you, but just so they can like put you as like, Maria oh, yeah. at the bus stop and then compare your chart. <laughs> and and Oak is one of those people. Yeah. Oh, I have my boss. I have my coworkers. I have like my friends, partners. Oh my gosh, all over the place. Um, but yeah, I think being able to store a lot of people's information and then reference it. Like for instance, um, one of my coworkers, she's she just sold her house. She broke ground on construction, and to see what her placements and what her what's transiting her fourth house right now of like foundations and home is so interesting to me. So being able to kind of like prove some of these connections to myself in real time by almost observing people's lives and seeing how that relates to their chart has been a really fun experiment that I can use on a daily basis. Um, The last thing I would say is astrology boards would be a fun way to use astrology in your daily life because you can take your little cute magnetic planet and put it in a different house and like a different system. And that would be a fun way to do it. Um, I will say that, and I guess this also falls into my, you know, where should you start place? Um, But there's a great resource 
that has, you know, this, these, this team has clearly put a lot of time and effort into it. And it's called the Chani app. C-H-A-N-I. Everybody knows about Chani app. So good. Yeah, it is so good. Um, And so I, these are the two thought leaders that I would say that people should start with that are very approachable and talk in like very modern terms and very relatable. Um, So Eliza Kelly, this is your destiny and um, use your astrology to manifest your best life. That is a easy peasy book. I mean, it's like I devoured it and I'm not a fast reader because it's very uh, kind of just story based, almost like um, talking about her life and her experience, like 230 pages or something. Um, that's a great book. Uh, Aliza Kelly, I'll, I'll link her social. And then the other person is this Chani Nicholas. So you were born for this astrology for radical self-acceptance it is a New York times bestseller. If that tells you anything about the popularity of astrology right now, And so this is going to kind of help you understand the three foundational keys of the sun, the moon, and the ascendant or or, uh, rising and the ruler of those things. Uh, And again, does it in a really approachable way, but Chani has this beautiful, like super cool, beautiful, like graphic design app. And she has weekly readings that you can get on Spotify, or if you wanted to get your weekly rising sign, because that's actually the kind of horoscopes you should listen to that have more relation. Um, your rising sign will also tell you some house systems things, right? Cause we know where your rising sign is. We know where your first house is um, and therefore your other houses. So if you pay, I don't know what the amount is uh, maybe like $5 a month. And then she also has like specials. I think like right now she has through like Venus retrograde, they're running like a free 30 day thing. Um, oh. But that's a, yeah, it's a really great, um, app that has not only transits and, you know, chart uh, generators, um, but it also has things like meditations and journal prompts and like, here's some ideas of what to put on an altar if you wanted to like, create a altar for the season. Um, it's it's pretty witchy. Uh, and so that may not be I mean, if somebody's listening to our fucking podcast, then clearly they're witchy. So you got lost. <laughs> if you got all the way to this point, and you're like, fuck, I wasn't supposed to be here. <laughs> you weren't listening. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So I don't have to like talk to the masses. So it's witchy. It's great. It's actually not very witchy at all to me. It's like more self-helpy, but, um, but yeah, so Chani app, I would definitely recommend that. Um, another, the other place I would start. So I have three things. So get a thought leader that you're going to follow them. Right. The other one is to get, you know, the chart, um, get your own chart or get a chart, someone, you know, really intimately right? If you can't get your own chart, then great. Just like start from your partner's chart or start from your child's chart or your mom's chart, right? Somebody that you know really, really closely. Um, And that will kind of give you a starting place as you start to learn things and think about the different house systems. You have to have something to base it in. Um, The last thing I would say is to pick a topic, pick one topic. What are some topics we went through? House systems, planet placements, major aspects. We went through um, the constellation. Yeah. Like what does Sagittarius mean? Right. So pick any one topic and keep going with that until you feel comfortable. Um, And some of the best ways to explore one topic is through thinking about it from um, pop culture, 
like slip if you're into pop culture, I guess, if you're into like not pop culture, I don't know, whatever you're into, like historical figures throughout time or I don't know, famous composers, like whatever you nerd out about. <laughs> like for me, it's valuable to know uh, the placement of one celebrity and to compare their personalities because they're, you know, they're projecting an archetype. That's what celebrities do. They're, they don't present as dynamic because that's not what they're doing. They're playing a role. So they purposefully will look to be emotional or they're spiritual or they're greedy or they're combative. And so when you have this oversimplification of a human, it makes it easy to explore that topic and to understand like, oh, someone's, I'm forgetting right now, I'm going to Google it. But like what I think mm, there's a lot of like Leo placements in the Kardashians. Not so mm, Yeah, exactly. Like, right. That would make a that would make a lot of sense to me. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. But like knowing, you know, what you know about some topic and then connecting it to again a very narrowed boundary positioned topic is really the place to start. Get somebody to follow, pick one thing at a time, and make sure you have access to a chart of a person that you know very well, ideally yourself or someone very, very close. That's where I that's where I started, and that's where I think you should start. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe you should start with the minor aspects and just – Oh, my God. <laughs> I, like, quintile se- selescence. Like, there, there's I so many syllables. Like, Quint, Quince. I watched a Disney movie about Quince once upon a time. I think yeah. they had five babies. If I, I'm just trying to remember what <laughs> Quint is. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know Octomom had eight babies, but oh. do we know? <laughs> this is this is how I relate to all those things. When they're like sex tuplets, I'm like, wasn't there a lady who had six six babies? Wasn't it six? Yeah. Yeah, that was her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, that's it. I am so relieved. <laughs> you did it. You did the damn thing. Killed it. I only was able to do it because you supported me, Danny. Okay. Okay, that's all. People listening to this podcast are going to be like, this is really just a, a medium for them to tell each other that they love oh, each other. Oh, yeah. That's what yeah. this is. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to have this exercise in articulating what I think that I know and also identifying um, some holes in my uh, understanding. Well, normally I would exit this and say, hey, guys, it's been great talking to you. And here's what we're going to do next time. Um, but I have some news. Our next What's episode, our, our next episode is gonna be a finale episode of season one. Yeah, not a final episode of our podcast, a finale episode of the season. Yeah, and we're gonna relive some experiences, and, and we're gonna maybe give some announcements, maybe talk about what we're gonna do in season two. I mean, it could get a little wild in here, but I, but I don't have a lot of details just yet for you. Because we haven't decided anything. (laughs) Uh, At any rate, awesome. No cliffhanger. (laughs) No cliffhangers, yeah. Mm -mm. Um, Awesome. Well, I look forward to uh, next time, Danny. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, as always, witches, blessed be, be well. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.